Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Здравствуйте, товарищи, and welcome to the Eastern Border. As you have guessed, I am not Christops. My name is Roberto, and I am the host of a brand new podcast titled The History of Sacardvelo, Georgia. First off, I would like to thank Christops for allowing me to tune you into my own show, as I quite love listening to his. That said, allow me to introduce you to mine. The History of Sacardvelo, Georgia goes over the history of the small nation bordering Russia and the Caucasus named, well, Georgia. Georgia has a long and fascinating history, episodes including the Greek legend of Jason and the Argonauts, wherein the Greek hero Jason searches for the Golden Fleece in Colchis, a female king named Tamar, during the Georgian Golden Age, a fracture into several kingdoms, and a heroic stand against their aggressive neighbors with the help of Mother Russia and the unifying Orthodox Christian faith. After annexation by Russia, Georgia won a short-lived independence in 1918, quickly followed by a fall into Soviet influence, thanks to our lovely friend Goba. That particular historical episode means we have some overlap with the eastern border, since Georgia was a begrudging part of the USSR. While we're not quite at the Soviet history section, listening to Kristaps has been a big help with information, especially during his Stalin series. Now, a fun fact that Kristaps once told me. His father once said that Georgia is the friendliest region to the Baltic states, since their dislike for the USSR unites them. Heck, Lithuania even agreed to call Georgia by Sakarvelas instead of using the Russian name Gruzia. Finally, for all you wine lovers out there, you should know that Georgia is the birthplace of wine, so you can thank them for the delicious grape beverage. Now, if you want some stuff that'll really put hair on your chest, I can always recommend the hard liquor cha-cha, which is also made of grapes. I don't want to take up any more of Kristaps' time, so you can find us at historyofsakartvelo.com. That's history of S-A-Q-A-R-T-V-E-L-O.com, or on your favorite podcast listening app. You can also find us on Twitter at history underscore Georgia. Now, once again, thank you for your time, Kristaps, and enjoy listening to The Eastern Border. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to The Eastern Border. 
as it's the end of the month now, we will be doing our political episode this time. Talking about, well, everyone's favorite, Kolkhoz director Alexander Lukashenko, who's now dabbling into stealing planes and hijacking, apparently. You see, on May 23rd, a Ryanair flight traveling from Athens to Vilnius was forced to make an emergency landing in Minsk due to an alleged bomb threat that later proved false. On board the flight was a Belarusian journalist, Roman Protoshevich, the former editor-in-chief of the most prominent Belarusian opposition outlet, Nexta. The Belarusian authorities removed Protoshevich from the flight, arresting him along with his girlfriend, Sofia Sapega, who is a Russian citizen. The remaining passengers were allowed to leave for Vilnius after a seven-hour delay. The Belarusian authorities claimed that the pilots made the decision to reroute to Minsk due to a security threat on board. Before the landing, Belarus sent up a fighter jet to <clears throat> accompany the plane, and things just went off from there. We'll be looking at all the events and what happened between Belarus and Latvia and consequences of everything. Oh, and what Lukashenko himself has basically just stated about all this situation. It's kind of weird, really, since, well, at this point he's blaming um, Hamas, who have stated that uh, they don't want anything to do with Lukashenko, as he's literally ruining their reputation, which is interesting. Then he tried to blame Sweden. That didn't pan out as well. And now I guess the blame lies in British secret services. So, you know, as usual. I honestly don't know how he managed to pull off, like, everyone in this list, but let's just go through all this situation here. For starters, Frannak Vyachorka, an advisor to Belarusian opposition leader Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, wrote on Twitter that Protashevich, who was the editor of the opposition outlet Belamova and was basically also formerly editor-in-chief of Nexta, he reported that the journalist had noticed that, quote, he was under surveillance at the airport in Athens prior to the flight, where, you know, and then he got in. He reported, Protashevich, that is, apparently someone in passport control was standing behind him and trying to photo his documents and everything, and as soon as he boarded the plane and the man was next to him, well, the man just turned around and left. And this is one of the occasions where uh, I would recommend being a bit more paranoid, I suppose. If someone's, like, obviously following you, maybe, maybe just don't board the plane, really. See, the thing is that in November 2020, Belarusian State Security Committee, yes, actual KGB, because they haven't changed their Soviet names, they added Protoshevich, along with the next founder, Stepan Putilo, to a list of individuals, quote, involved in terrorist activities. Protashevich and Putilo, both of whom live outside of Belarus, were the first Belarusian nationals to be added to this terrorist watch list in the country's history. The Belarusian authorities also designated the opposition outlet Nyesta and its logo as <clears throat> extremist materials. Now, after Protashevich was detained, information began circulating online that he faces the death penalty in Belarus. While the country does allow the death penalty for crimes of terrorism, Protashevich hasn't been charged with terrorism as of yet. However, the Belarusian Investigative Committee have charged him with organizing riots in Minsk and <clears throat> inciting social enmity against government and police. While, however, these charges don't provide for the death penalty, he could still face a lengthy prison, up to 15 years for organizing riots and up to 12 years for inciting enmity. 
At the same time, prior to the landing, Protashevich reportedly told other passengers on the flight that he, yeah, faces the death penalty there. Which is probably true, you know, um, if you listen to my prison episode, yeah, he could, might as well die if he has to stay for 15 years in a Belarusian prison. Now, his girlfriend, Sofia Sapega, was arrested along with him. And she's a 23-year-old Russian citizen who lives in Vilnius and studies at European Humanities University. On the next day, May 24th, the European Humanities University issued a statement demanding that the Belarusian authorities release Sapega immediately. On May 24th, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov told reporters that the Russian authorities have requested consular access to Sapega. Quote, we contacted her father and our embassy appealed to the Belarusian Foreign Ministry with a request to provide information on our citizen and provide consular access to her. Sepega's mother told the BBC Russian service that her daughter is in custody in Minsk's, well, quite notorious Okrestina Street remand prison. One of the passengers from the flight said that Protashevich gave Sepega his computer and cell phone before the plane landed in Minsk adding that she wasn't on board when the flight finally left for Vilnius. Another passenger said that four other people who boarded the flight in Athens were not there when the plane arrived in Vilnius either. The passenger suggested that these individuals may have been intelligence agents. But yeah, this all gets weird, because Ruan, spokespeople for the Minsk National Airport, stated on May 23rd that the Ryanair flight was diverted due to an alleged bomb threat. They also claimed that the pilots requested to land in Minsk. Meanwhile, the head of communications for Vilnius International Airport, which was the flight's destination, said that there was a, quote, conflict between a crew member and a passenger prior to the landing. Nexta reported that alleged intelligence officers from the Belarusian KGB staged an argument with the cabin crew during the flight, insisting that there was an explosive device on board. Apparently, as a result, the crew was forced to request an emergency landing. And, yeah, Belarusian... News channels and everyone in Belarus basically poses this as some sort of a proof, I guess, that um, Belarus has saved European people. But we'll get to that later. Passengers on board the flight, however, have said that there were not any incidents prior to the landing. According to one eyewitness, the pilots simply changed their route abruptly and announced that the plane would be landing in Minsk without offering any explanations. Quote, he promised to tell us later, but never did tell. Another passenger said that unlike the other people on board the flight, Protashevich was searched twice. Apparently, security officers watched him from the very beginning and went through his bag twice, but the journalist wasn't detained immediately upon disembarking from the plane. He was arrested several hours later when the passengers were inside the airport. According to yet another passenger, Protashevich told the flight attendant prior to the landing, Don't do this. I'm a refugee. They'll kill me. We must. We have no choice. It's in Ryanair's legal agreements, the flight attendant allegedly said in response. Later, Ryanair confirmed that the Belarusian authorities had instructed the plane to land in Minsk, contradicting reports that the crew requested an emergency landing. Quote, The crew on the Ryanair flight from Athens to Vilnius today, on 23rd of May, were notified by Belarus ATC of a potential security threat on board and were instructed to divert to the nearest airport, Minsk, the airline said in the statement. The company didn't offer an explanation as to why the plane landed in Minsk and not in Vilnius, which was actually the closest airport at the time. But later, Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary described the forced landing <clears throat> as a case of state-sponsored hijacking, state-sponsored piracy. And yeah, kind of makes sense. 
since, you know, fighter planes were all around it. Now, according to aviation engineer Vadim Lukashevich, who analyzed the data on the altitude and flight speed, the pilots, quote, were pulling towards Vilnius until the very last moment and actually kind of got away from the fighter jet pursuing them. Despite approaching the destination airport, the plane didn't begin to descend or reduce speed as it would normally be done. Lukashevich presumes that the crew turned the plane around only after being threatened by the fighter jet. Meanwhile, Belarusian state media has been circulating an alleged audio recording of the dispatcher talking to the flight crew about the decision to reroute to Minsk. The authenticity of the recording has yet to be confirmed, obviously, and uh, it's probably just as fake as the previous recording about whatever Lukashenko is doing there, since, if you remember, he had this official recording from Polish and United States secret services where they call Lukashenko a tough nut to crack and other such nonsense. On the tape, the <clears throat> crew member, quote-unquote, tells the dispatcher, again, quote-unquote, that landing in Belarusian capital is our recommendation. Immediately after the plane landed in Minsk, the telegram channel, Pul Pervogo, which is linked to President Alexander Lukashenko's press service, published a post with the headline, Belarus protected Europe. The post emphasized that Lukashenko gave an unequivocal command to turn the plane around and receive it. Pul Pervogo also reported that the MiG-29 fighter jet was sent up to escort the passenger plane under instructions from Lukashenko himself. Now, this um, obviously is a bit crazy, really. Belarusian opposition leader Svetlana Tikhanovskaya condemned the incident, warning that it's no longer safe to fly through Belarusian airspace. The regime forced the landing of a Ryanair plane in Minsk to arrest journalist and activist Protashevich. We demand immediate release of Raman, an ICAO investigation and sanctions against Belarus, Tikhanovskaya said following the incident. And, well, this all took over the EU summit taking place in next day, May 24th. In a statement on May 23rd, European Council President Charles Michel warned that, quote, the incident will not remain without consequences. Possible measures the EU could take include banning flights over Belarus, which actually happened, banning Belarus National Airline, Belavia from operating flights to airports in EU countries, which also is happening, and, uh, well, personal sanctions are also going to happen. And our national flight carrier Air Baltic, together with many other carriers, have already begun to change the flight routes to avoid passing over Belarus. And, well, both Ukraine and Lithuania also have announced that its airports will be banned from receiving and conducting flights that pass through Belarusian airspace. In turn, the United Kingdom's Secretary of State for Transport, Grant Shapps, announced that he had suspended Belavia's operating permit instructed the country's aviation authority to request that airlines, quote, avoid Belarusian airspace to keep passengers safe. And, uh, well, obviously, the United States State Department condemned the incident too. Secretary of State Antony Blinken condemned both the diversion of the flight and the removal and arrest of Protashevich. Quote, this shocking act perpetrated by the Lukashenko regime endangered the lives of more than 120 passengers. So, everything's going quite interesting so far. Oh, and Lithuanian police have launched a criminal investigation into the incident under two felony charges, hijacking of an aircraft and the illegal detention of people. See, and here, like, the weirdness starts, because this is the timeline of events as far as the 24th. But there, interesting thing happens because, well, this all now ties into the World Hockey Championship that's happening here in Latvia, and all the weird details 
about that one, which also ties into Belarus. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at russansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to russansov.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by russianvoiceovers.eu. Enjoy. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You see, to support Belarusians, our mayor and foreign minister replaced the Lukashenko's Belarusian flag with the traditional, historic, white-red-white flag in several locations during the World Hockey Championship. Kind of a weird thing, because that flag was their official flag after the fall of the Soviet Union, but then Lukashenko changed it back to their Soviet era flag. And both our foreign minister and the mayor of Riga stated that they wish to support this opposition and that they condemn this whole hijacking of the plane. After that, our mayor received a personal message from the kind of IIHF guy, the hockey federation guy, who stated that, you know, you can either replace the flag back because, you know, this is just posturing, or remove the hockey federation flag. And our mayor didn't kind of back down. He actually went through and removed the hockey federation flag. All of this got a bit weird. After that... After that, Belarusian Foreign Minister Vladimir Makey stated on May 24th that the Latvian ambassador to Minsk, Einar Semanis, has to leave the territory of Belarus within 24 hours, and almost all of the embassy staff were expelled with him. Belarus, well, took this decision because of the changing of the flag, and their foreign minister called this an act of national vandalism. He stated, <clears throat> We request that Latvia to carry out an investigation, to apologize and put the Belarusian flag back in place. A protest note has been submitted to the ambassador. In response, basically, they sent out all the Belarusian diplomats here. It's a pretty big deal. And they didn't remove the flag and everything. But then things got really weird. I mean, it's a nice little, well, not really nice, but um, it's a thing. Latvian government tends to, you know take it very seriously upon themselves to deal with uh, such situations and 
if something like this happens in Belarus and because there were also Latvian citizens on board the Ryanair flight, yeah, well, sometimes our politicians try to do something like this and they they take an active interest in the affairs surrounding our region. So, <laughs> this um, turns on into craziness. Since, and I'm quoting from our public broadcasting Latvia page, <clears throat> Lukashenko regime opts for more desperation and insanity. And this is from the article, I'm not even making the jokes up. Quote, The ever more deranged Lukashenko regime in Belarus said in May 28th it was opening a criminal investigation against the mayor of Riga, Martin Stachis, and foreign minister Edgar Srdkevich for replacing the post-1995 state flag of Belarus with a pre-1995 state flag of Belarus. This is kind of weird. The offense, alleged offense to them, even though that was more of a political action, and I'm not even sure if that's a crime. Yeah, that happened here, in, in Riga. So now our foreign minister and the mayor of Riga are being sued there? And there's a thing? Well, the jurisdictional reasoning, more likely the complete lack of one, is kind of weird. The statement of the General Prosecutor's Office of Belarus has stated, quote, After reviewing statements in the media and on the internet about a serious crime against Belarus, Prosecutor General Andrei Shved has initiated a criminal case against Riga Mayor Martin Stachis and Latvian Foreign Minister Edgar Srinkevich for their deliberate actions aimed at inciting national hatred based on nationality in accordance with Article 130, Part 3 of the Belarusian Criminal Code. Apparently, the criminal code of Belarus can put you in prison for 5 to 12 years for such a crime. So, you know, maybe our foreign minister or our mayor should stay out of the holidays in Belarusian relaxation places or something, because it's kind of weird. The statement also said that <clears throat> such desecration of state symbols humiliated the national dignity of Belarusians. It is kind of weird to hear an association of the Lukashenko regime with the concept of dignity, but, uh, but still. So our foreign minister, Nrenkevich, obviously stated that this move is evidence of desperation and insanity of the Lukashenko regime. Our mayor Stachis, uh, ever the troll, was even more kind of withering, suggesting Lukashenko will ultimately find justice in the Hague, the location for trials involving international war crimes and crimes against humanity, at the International Court of Justice. He really isn't interested in uh, messing around here or, well, supporting anything. But it's kind of weird. I mean, maybe our politicians should have stayed out of it, but then again, it's an effective form of protest, so they took notice. However, I highly doubt that it's even any way sensical to uh, start a criminal investigation in your country against a citizen and government official of another country that have done something political in their own country? I don't even know. I... maybe North Korea does this or something? Anyway, this is getting crazier by the day, and even the Russian official channels, they're all, like, confused about the situation. Because yesterday, Putin met Lukashenko once again, and, uh... Apparently, they had a five-hour conversation in which I pretty much imagine Putin kind of going all out and screaming on our best buddy Kolhoz guy a bit for this. This is going to cost a lot of money for him. 
See, Belarus was supposed to get an international loan, a big one of that, and their biggest industry is creating tractors and agricultural stuff for, for Russian markets. But every tractor, every car that they make is built with mostly German and American engines. So not like it's going to work. Alexander Nevzorov has stated that uh, this arrest of Protoshenko shall now cost Belarusians about $30 billion in total in sanctions and, and jobs and, and money in general. So I can't even make sense of this. I mean, can one dissident be so important as to doom everything? And then they just blame everyone? Then Lukashenko himself came out with a, with a response, basically. So, in his first public remarks about this whole Ryanair flight, Alexander Lukashenko stated that the warning message about the alleged bomb planted on board came from Switzerland now. Hey, new data, always fun. In a nutshell, he had a long speech, but thankfully my colleagues at Medusa have uh, compressed it together in a nice little paraphrase summary. Always like those. <clears throat> so, here you go. I'll try to comment on the best parts. The message about the bomb on board the plane came from Switzerland. How should we have acted against the backdrop of a cascade of bomb threats from IP addresses in Poland, Latvia and Lithuania? We brought the information about the bomb threat to the attention of the crew. They had time to make a decision. Hamas or no Hamas, it does not matter. Neither Vilnius, nor Warsaw, nor Kiev, nor Lvov wanted to accept the flight. Uh, blatant lies. Mm. The plane turned around near the Belarusian nuclear power plant. If there really had been a bomb, what would we have done? The fire jet was set up in keeping with all regulations. I thought about the safety of the country. I couldn't allow the plane to fall on the heads of our people. There was a terrorist in the plane who was going to start a bloody rebellion and this was known far beyond the borders of Belarus. What country's intelligence services did he and his accomplice work for? They have moved from organizing riots to strangling tactics. They're looking for new vulnerable spots and they're targeting not only us. We are a testing site for them before they move east. I acted legally and will continue to do so, but carbon copy accusations from the West began pouring in before the plane even had time to land. The goal is clear. We know who benefits from demonizing Belarus. We found ourselves at the forefront of a new conflict. Not a cold war, but an icy one. Our ill-wishers from the outside and from within have changed their methods of attacking the state. They have crossed many red lines. We have to do everything to prevent this from turning into a hot war. If you don't like flying over Belarus, go fly where 300 people were killed. Yeah, well, not like this makes um, too much sense in the end, but what can you do? Apparently, he also has demanded that um, the Western countries pay him money for investigating this whole matter. And, you know, if you think about it, it's exactly what the Somali pirates do or something. Because now he hijacks planes, then he just grabs passengers from on board, and then he wants other countries to pay for it too. It's kind of like taking hostages, but a whole new level, I guess. Anyway, there are now sanctions everywhere, and the tensions are high, but um, I'm really curious about how this is going to play out. I mean, even the pro-Putin news agencies, which I follow, have basically stated that 
probably all the sanctions that will target Belarus will cripple their economy a lot. I mean, they're not as strong as Russia, and Russia's economy isn't in a great state. However, you know, Belarus is way weaker, and a lot of people, a lot of politicians in many countries don't want to anger Russia, but they won't have any such qualms for Belarus. And if Russia truly wants to integrate Belarus in their own country one day, which has always been an option up in the air, and we've discussed that on the show a lot, then, well, having another region that is economically weak and uh, that would require a lot of investments is, well, kind of a huge blow to the whole project, if you think about it. So, I guess that would be... It for now, but I'm gonna have to watch and learn how all of this plays out. This is, so far, the weirdest event that has happened. Besides the fact that we beat Canada in hockey for once, for the first time ever in our lives, and that the United Kingdom managed to beat Belarus in hockey as well. Which is kind of interesting, because that was the United Kingdom's first ever victory in hockey since uh, 1962, apparently. Well, in the main game time, that is. At any rate... More updates, and if something interesting happens, we'll let you know. But for now, wow, I didn't even know that you can actually do some plane hijacking these days, and basically in the center of Europe, no less. Our next episode is going to be about some really mad lad Latvian engineers who make diesel from tires, and, well, other stuff as well. They have discovered this method of pyrolysis, and and then they kind of heat up those tires, it's going to be fun. We spent a whole day with them, and I hope you'll enjoy that stuff. It's going to be a bit of a special, as I want to recommend to other people the awesomeness that we sometimes get here in Latvia, and they're truly interesting folks. And hey, maybe, maybe one day you'll even hear about them in, in your country, since I truly hope that their business idea catches on, because apparently they have um, a bit of a difficulty setting everything up legally, since... Our government has decided that uh, their recycling method counts as burning tires due to some weird loopholes in the law, and there's nobody knows what that is. And then we'll get back to all the nice little historical stuff. Anyway, that's it for now. Maybe if you need to fly somewhere, try not to fly over Belarus. Just saying. Anyhow, do свидания, товарищи. Oh, and thanks all of you guys who listened to the Mayak episodes, both parts of. Hope you like them. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The eastern border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.